Hey, it's your old pal Slim, and welcome to a special bonus episode of 70MM. With me, as always, is artist Danny Haas. Hello. And our Indiana Jones insider, Pert Alexis. Thank you. <laughs> I should have said Mads Mickelson insider just to get you riled up for uh, this episode. Get him sweaty. Get you riled up. The real feel right now as we record this, maybe you're listening on headphones, you can hear a fan of some kind. Just let us get through this recording. The real feel on the East Coast is very high. Mm-hmm. We're lucky to be alive in this climate right now. So two years later, we're, we're completing the Indiana Junes journey. For those that are unaware, we did the first four movies on this podcast feed. You can search them up in your app. And Proto released a very special audio recording dispatch just to our interns tier about your experience seeing this movie, Proto. So, I mean, are you excited to discuss the final journey of one Indiana Jones together with the three of us? Yes, I'm very excited. This should be a fantastic. Yeah, I released a... Um... Uh, uh, a little something I called a UFO and uh, my unfinished film opinion right out of the theater. I just put on the voice memo app on my phone and and just started talking and and see where I could get with all the things that I was feeling coming out of that theater, Mm -hmm. all the moments, all the memorable moments that we, you know, you experienced in this movie. And I wanted to try to digest as best I could in preparation for Mm -hmm. this recording. The Indiana Jones real feel. Exactly. If I could quote that UFO, there is a sickness in our film industry, <laughs> Proto says. We'll get into that in our discussion. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Is there another quote? I want, I'm ready to send Mads Mickelson to the moon. Mm. <laughs> if you want to hear the rest, you got to subscribe. You got to become a patron to hear the rest of Proto's uncut thoughts. Uh, so I will keep a loosey goosey. Maybe we'll have a top three. We'll go around the room. We've been waiting for this movie our whole lives, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. People on Twitter and Blue Sky, whatever social media app that isn't crumbling right now, people complain about IP. IP, there's too much IP movies. People going to the well for IP. Hmm. Prada, how do you feel about that? You agree? You on the fence about all this IP? Um, I don't think so because I feel like. There might be a lot of IP or studios retreading stuff for cash, but there's also a ton of, I don't know, the past few years, I can think of a ton of great original stories mm-hmm. that have come out. So mm-hmm. I don't really see it as a problem mm-hmm. um, because it's we're still getting like great original stories too. Right. People need to open their eyes mm-hmm. is what you're saying. Yeah. Stop covering their own eyes. So this movie was announced in 2016. Did you know this? 2016? 2016. Or the fifth Indiana Jones movie was announced in uh, 2016. With Spielberg directing and releasing in 2019. What? Yeah. How crazy is that? Spielberg, I don't remember that. Spielberg stepped down in 2020. It wasn't even that long ago. We're talking pandemic he stepped down. Mm. Pandemic era Spielberg stepped out. And then Mangold stepped in with a new script in the works. Um, so let's see, Danny, you were the one who was starting to get nervous about this movie. So we, I think maybe we should start with you. You know, you were on the main show for people that don't listen. You were extremely nervous about this movie coming out. I think I was, that was the most nervous because of how bad it was being marketed. I didn't enjoy the trailers. I thought throwing in whatever 
old band music over an Indiana Jones story was a terrible idea. Just give us John Williams' amazing score and let's move on. Um, Wasn't loving posters. How about the font on that poster? The font is all wrong. Yeah. It's crooked ass logo. It's, they, I don't want to talk about what they did to this logo. Really? Did they not own the mark type to the proper logo? Is it is there any possibility that it's like Lucas they they took their their curved beautiful Indiana Jones logo and straightened out the curved letters but left them curved? It was the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Kerneling, the kerneling. <laughs> um, I was nervous, but in the same in the same uh, breath, I just needed this movie to be better than Dial or um, Crystal Skull. Crystal Skull. That's the bar was low enough. Mm-hmm. Mangled. All I had to do was step over it. Yeah. For this film. I mean, can you imagine having like five more Indiana Jones movies and the bar <laughs> is just Crystal Skull? We'd be living the high life. The high life. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. But Didn't I liked both Chris- of you give we- Crystal Skull four <laughs> stars? What yes. is going yes. on right now? I liked, I liked Crystal Skull, but I feel like it's that's, not hard that's to the line. Crystal Skull is all that, I'm saying. Like that's the line. That's the lowest you could go for an Indiana Jones movie. So if you meet that <laughs> okay, bar okay. and you go higher, then okay. great. That's fantastic. Listen I'll take up, Crystal Proto. Skull. Yeah, pay attention, please. I'm trying focus. to listen. I'm trying to focus here. <laughs> so, what's the first thing you want to bring up about Dial of Destiny, Danny? Let's get let's get let's talk about one of the biggest moments in this film. The first thirty minutes. Mm. Let's talk about the train scene, the de aging. Um, I love this m- moment in the film. I think it's an incredible moment. I think. It is well shot, well directed, well performed. The de aging doesn't work for me. Oh, <gasps> wow! I, I was so distracted by it. I've seen this movie twice now, and every time I'm extremely distracted by the de aging. I don't think it's, I don't think it looks bad, mm. but I, I know what Harrison looks like now. I know what he looked like then, and I found myself looking for mistakes every time I watch his face on screen. And it just distracts from a really well-crafted Indiana Jones moment. I think that whole train segment is amazing. Yeah. It feels like old Indiana Jones. Um, but um, I think Brian Formo in his review stated it had the Irishman effect where it's the old body with the de-aged face. And oh. you feel it. You feel you feel old Harrison performing these moves and stuff while they're de-aging his face. Um, they used his old voice, his, his current they sh- voice they too. They should change the voice. Yeah. That was the big mistake that I thought. Like as soon as he opened my mouth and I was like, oh, they're using current day indie yeah. voice. Like come, use some computers or something. It's a bit frustrating, but it's also a great moment. I think that that whole segment is just an incredible action piece. Mm. Um, and I don't know how you do it without it. Like I don't, you have old indie for so long in this film. How do you get good action segments from this? So this is, if you remove this moment from the film, I don't know. It just, I don't oh. think it'd be the same film. Pardo, what'd you think of the train and the, and the de-aging, the Irishman? Well, a little trivia for you, for you. I don't know if you caught that, but that train was actually called the Polar Express. Is that real? Are you joking? <laughs> I don't like this. Did you see yeah, how bad I, his body looked running across the top? Uh, of let the me train? just say one thing. Him running on the top of the train, maybe the worst moment in the history of Indiana Jones cinematic franchise. That was all fake. 
All fake. Yeah, it, I mean, it looked terrible. It James looked terrible. and I were laughing in the audience when they showed Indy running on top of the train. Whoever did the animation for that, get him out of here. I'm sorry. Yeah. I can't believe you brought up Polar Express, too, because that's what I was thinking about watching that whole segment. Yeah, the well, yeah that's why I mentioned it. it because it, it did give me like that uncanny feeling like with his face that you could even it like even the way it was de-aged, it looked different from different angles, mm-hmm. too. Like yeah. sometimes it looked really good, and then other times it kind of looked like it was like mushed or something strange going on. Um, but I think, I think the de aging revolution has begun, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know. I wouldn't say I, I like hated it. I guess I don't mind it, um, and I wouldn't be opposed to them doing like more stuff like this. I think it'll just get better, hopefully. Mm. Question mark? Maybe not, because <laughs> now that I say that, I feel like we've kind of gone backwards with CGI in the past few years. So who knows where we're going in terms of right. like quality? Um, I thought the CGI de-aging on his face, like that reveal and those close-up, I thought that was the best de-aging I've ever seen. Best CGI I've ever seen. Yes. Like, um, not even close. So, but then when, as soon as he opened his mouth, it almost like was deflate.gif for me. <laughs> yeah. Where I was like, oh man, you had it. You almost nailed it. And then there was, yeah, some like angles of, of him turning his face like, oh yeah, this is not really him. Him getting out of the water was probably the closest that I came to maybe like the Irishman type thing, but it was better than Irishman. And I know that's a low bar, but- the, the CGI of his face, like it didn't feel like, I'm trying to think of like some other de-aging stuff that's happened recently. Like the Mandalorian is the one thing that jumps out at me. And Mandalorian, it's like not even the same league, I felt like. Like some of the, the face Luke stuff. stuff. Yeah, the Luke yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not even like comparable how good this look compared to Luke um, in any of those Mandalorian episodes. So I was pretty I was pretty into it. When he, when he came out of the water after jumping off the plane, all I could think of was the Incredibles when Dash comes out of the water screaming, we're going to die. That's how bad the CGI looked like. It looked like from Pixar. Yeah, I, I Letterboxd Show did a Indiana Jones spectacular episode. We did all five movies with like the crew. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, I think I said on that episode that the CGI budget, 90, 90% of the CGI budget, budget went to the de-aging. Mm-hmm. Because like there's a bunch of other like CGI stuff that I'm like, mm, like, mm, yeah, like the backdrops. I don't know if it was volume stuff later in the movie, but Proto, what's the first thing you want to bring up? First thing on my my list is this movie gave me CGI paranoia, <laughs> <laughs> where there's so much of it, and I feel like at this point with movies, it's so um, so spread throughout that. You could tell me that every single thing in this movie is fake, like it's all CGI, and I'd believe you. You could tell me that it's like 50%, and I'd be like, okay. I, so as I'm watching this, I can't tell like what's real and what's not. Um, I mean, there's some stuff that's it's like, okay, totally obviously fake. But then there's certain things where it, it just feels like anywhere where they can possibly use CGI, they will. And it gives me like this weird anxiety as I'm watching something that I can't tell like what's real and what's not. Mm. Interesting. You can't like um, focus on what's happening. You're too concerned with wondering. Well, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's it's like not a bad thing. 
But I guess before there was like such a clear line where you could just like, you would know that like, oh, they can do this with cars, like real cars. So they will. Mm -hmm. But like, even like that chase scene in Tangiers, it's like, this is all fake, right? Like they, they didn't use anything real Mm. in this scene. Um, and then, and then like that affects what I think of the, the stunt. And maybe that's what it is. Like when I'm watching an action movie, when you know like nothing is real, it kind of loses its value in my mind as I'm watching it. Like, I don't think it's as compelling because it's like, oh, well, this is all just, you know, it's just fake. And especially because they lean so hard into just things being so fantastical and ridiculous. Like that chase scene they do in like the golf carts or whatever. Like everyone <laughs> died in that scene 20 times over. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way any of this like makes any sense. And I think that was like, one of the things I didn't like about this is that like in the previous indie movies, like they do stunts and things, but they're done at a pace and they're done in like a real setting, like the tank scene in Crusade with, with Harrison Ford, you know, like that's all like real, like it's all practical. Of course it's not like a real tank or whatever, but it le- at least looks real. But then like the, the stuff with like the, the speed at the, at which they're moving in that chase scene, just, you can just tell it's, it's all fake. So as I'm watching this whole movie, I just had like this weird feeling of like what's what's real and what's fake and and not knowing. Wait until the back behind the scenes comes out and that entire chase scene is like probably 100% practical. <laughs> 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 and they just like added Indy's face onto the stuntman or something. I actually, this that chase scene almost felt like too real to be in an indie movie for me. And I felt like that was like the mangled Ford Ferrari effect in the back of my head that like this feels like a legit chase scene, but it, it it didn't have any of that whimsy that I want in those chase scenes. It's not like the mining car stunt, you know, like that felt like I think I said in previous episodes that like all the big chase scenes feel like they could be stunt shows. And that's what I like remember loving about the indie stuff. But like that like taxi car scene, you know, this doesn't feel like a stunt show thing. It just feels like a real car chase and Indian is India's in it. So I didn't love the that that big car chase scene personally. Danny, what'd you think? Uh, you know, I think I I I think I was grinning most of the time with joy watching it. But for me, most of not just this scene, but most of the action scenes are a good ten minutes too long. Like yeah. the tuk tuk scene, um, is fun, and then it it wears its welcome pretty quick. Like mm-hmm. we get it. You're driving around in little tuk-tuks and they were driving and in those cars for one hour. It was, it was a long scene and it doesn't, I don't think it looks bad. It does give off the, we're just sitting in someone bouncing chairs while green screen is around us effect when they're yelling at each other across tuk-tuks. And I don't know. I, I, I had fun with it, but there is the wearing it's welcome real quick, wearing yeah. it out. I mean, the movie is long. It's almost, it's a three, long movie. It's almost three hours. And I was thinking to myself, there were some like fun stuff where like Phoebe will get into her character, but like, I almost felt like the auction stuff, like if you cut out anything, I feel like a lot of her backstory being kind of like this, you know, black market seller, you could probably cut out a lot of that and you could still f- go at a pretty good clip in this movie. Mm. Um, but again, you cut out some of Phoebe's backstory. So maybe just yeah. cut her whole character out. Oh, <laughs> I, the, well, I think we know what we're going into next. Let's get into my number one. I'll talk about Phoebe, Phoebe's <laughs> character, the goddaughter of our sweet boy from the Jurassic 
world franchise, Toby Jones as Basil <laughs> Shaw. Um, I also love how like in Baz. these these later, these later movies, Indy just has like random old dude friends that appear and have been a part of his life for so long. Um, it happened in Crystal Skull, happens here. I also just real quick say that I love them in the beginning of the movie searching for the Holy Lance Yo. that pierced the side of Jesus on the cross. Like mm-hmm. that the Lance is of cool. Like Yo, Longinus. Uh, the cool thing about that was that was originally in the first Raiders script by Kasdan. And then uh, Dark Horse has, um, what's it called? The Spear of Destiny. They did mm-hmm. a four comic run of the Spear of Destiny where they go searching for this with uh, Henry Sr. and Sala. Oh my God. Um, so it's been, in the indie, it's been in the indie um, kind lore. of lore for a while. So I was really, it was really cool to see it in this film because I didn't remember right away what I had heard it from, but I remember now that it was from the, the Dark Horse comics when I looked it mm. back up. Uh, so Phoebe's character, the goddaughter, appears, is looking for the dial, the half of the dial of destiny that she believes might have been destroyed, but Indy kept it, and she steals it and is on the run. And you eventually find her trying to sell it to the highest bidder. You know, the daughter of Basil has gone down the wrong road, apparently, and even though she's quite knowledgeable, she's still selling this stuff, trying to, for cash. And a lot of her plot is is that. Like, she doesn't seem like a good guy, so to speak. She's more uh, shades of gray. But by the end of the movie, she's, like, obviously good. And she turns a corner. I don't know how I feel about her character in this movie. I wish there was a little bit more maybe her being upset at how, like, her dad's life turned out. That maybe she, as and that's why she didn't give a crap about some of these artifacts. And then she was, like, mm. willing to sell them. Like, maybe show me a little bit more as opposed to inferring why she's gone down this path. Pardo, it sounds like you have some thoughts on on this character. Yeah, I didn't like her character at all. It, it just seems so silly and, like, poorly thought out. Like, what? first of all, like, why does he need to have a goddaughter? Like, why does she need to be related to him in this way? Um, I... Obviously, to like form some connection that like he wants to protect her and cares for her, and his his you know his now Pat his friend Basil who has passed, <laughs> but um, like I don't understand her character at all. She tries to kill Indy like four different times <laughs> in this movie. And then at the end, she's like, oh, no, you have to come back. You have to come back as if like she cares about him at all. But like there's. Her character shows no like connection or caring for him other than to get what she wants. It's so like lopsided and it's, I, I think like the storytelling and just like him caring for her, but sh- her not caring, but somehow they're still like in, I don't know, there, there's something between them where it doesn't seem like it's earned at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just, I just like every all her like little quips and stuff. It just like came off as like so flat. Like there's like no chemistry to me between her and Harrison at all. And then her her sidekick. Like what are we doing? That was bad. Teddy, you talking about Teddy? Is that that kid's name? It was. I've I've already blocked. I think it it was. (laughs) (laughs) Danny, what about Wombat and you? Well, it's funny you say Wombat. I didn't like that he called her Wombat. I thought that was weird that he had a nickname for her um, before we barely knew the character. It was it was just an interesting choice. Um, I I like her a lot in this film. I, I think 
I think she kind of harkens back to how I felt about Marion. I think she was a she was a little bit more involved, obviously, than Marion. Um, she wasn't some. I, I like that she wasn't a damsel in distress for this film. That Indy didn't have to save her. She ends up kind of saving him. Um, but that's kind of it. I, I, I wasn't terribly in love with her, but I didn't hate it at the same time. I thought it was kind of fun, just a fun character. Yeah, I guess it does, like her character selling the antiquities does make a little bit of sense in like the modern world where Indy is, where like I think they even talk about him being kind of like out of place where the world has passed him by. And she's, trying to sell that stuff that like no one cares about the stuff anymore i gotta sell it to make money that's my life in 1969 mm-hmm. or whatever so i can see that as their approach to that character whether or not it actually was executed that well is another story i think hmm. uh danny next on your list i want to talk about the man of the hour mads mickelson oh get into it um I love Mads. I love Mads as an actor. I like that he plays these kind of bad guys. I loved him in Casino Royale. Um, My problem with him in this is I don't feel that his uh, villainous character is fleshed out enough for us to care about his motives. Um, I don't, I feel like his motives are so convoluted that by the time we get to when they use the dial of destiny, that I could barely make out the fact that he wants to go back to kill Hitler to become what Hitler couldn't become mm-hmm. uh, yeah. for the Nazi regime. Like it, it's, I don't understand why that isn't spelled out from the get go with this character, that this is his end game and this is what he's trying to do. It's just as like, it, let's race for this MacGuffin. Let's go find this dial. Um, and then in the last 20 minutes before we get to the siege of of whatever Syracuse, we finally figure out that he's wanting to not kill anyone in America, whatever Indy was saying, Roosevelt or Ike or whatever, um, not Roosevelt, that he wants to go back and replace Hitler. Like that, adding that kind of in at the end was, I didn't feel was warranted or earned. I feel like it should have been written. His, his character needed to be more fleshed out than anyone's in the film, I believe. Yeah, he had those scenes... Remember when he had the 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 black waiter, the black guy that worked at the mm-hmm. hotel? Like they had the a few of those scenes where he's like, "You guys didn't win, Hitler lost." I think was the line. So it's yeah. almost yeah. like m- a lot more was subtly inferred in the plot than we're used to in Indiana Jones movies. Like right. we're we're used to like having Mad saying like. Hitler should have won. I will do what Hitler couldn't do. Like he would have <laughs> said that, that in the first scene to one of his associates. And a lot of it was just kind of like reading between the lines, which is very different for, for this franchise. I think no indie yeah. villain has ever been subtle in the indie <laughs> franchise <laughs> until the final movie. Yeah. Did he even have a scar after he hit that like Got light post on the out? train? No. Like, yeah, I thought his I face was going to be effed up. Yeah. I thought he was going to have like a metal plate on the side of his face. <laughs> Like his whole skull was Give shattered. Give him an eye patch. An when eye I, patch would have been baller. When I saw him come back perfectly fine, I was like, oh, they're going to show more of him using this dial going back right. and like not getting hurt or something. I don't know. Yeah. That dude got clocked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, uh, yeah, I said that in my um, dispatch, but I don't, I don't really have a problem with Mads. I think it's more of, it was like this character um, because I agree. He's not really fleshed out. 
And I think it, it took me out of it. The fact that in the other movies, like the villains have like an army backing them up to kind of travel the world and for Indy to, to either like track Indy down or um, for Indy to like hide within their numbers. In this, it's like Mads and like Three Stooges. Mm-hmm. And I read a review. Someone said it, it kind of felt like the bad guys were just teleporting to wherever Indy was. <laughs> like it didn't really make any sense of like how they moved around or got anywhere or like who was, I mean, they were supported by the CIA, I guess at the beginning. So, mm-hmm. but it, it just, it felt like weak. It felt like these, this pack of goons just somehow magically following Indy around. So I didn't really love how that was um, played out. I mean, to be fair, that I feel like that does happen a lot in the other ones where like, was it Last Crusade where they're just always one step behind Indy? He just solves all the puzzles and they're like right behind him. Like, oh yes, let's continue following <laughs> Indy as he solves this for us. Yeah, I, I like the idea of like, him being hidden by the CIA, you know, and working on the rockets, you know, that kind of like realistic storyline of the Nazis embedded in our government, like being our scientists. Um, I didn't love the horse race, the horse runaway scene. And I, even we, we, I think I remember the trailer came out. We were like, y- like yawning when they showed Indy on the galloping horse and his, mm-hmm. his head, his face was like, obviously, glued on computer wise mm-hmm. to the stuntmans. And that scene was in the movie mm-hmm. still like they, I would have just completely removed that. But like, I guess one of my points is, I mean, me personally, like I'm kind of like bashing all of this stuff, but there's just like, I don't know if it's the fog of nostalgia and indie and growing up with this character that like, you don't need to give me that much good for me to still have a great time. Right. Like it's bonkers how, and I've seen this like thread on social media that people are like saying, oh, there's so many problems, but still great time in the movies. And then those people are like, you need to go watch a good movie or something. And like I do, I watch other movies and I like them, but I still like want what Indiana Jones gave me as a kid. And I'm still like able to, to think in my head that I still got it in this movie. And it happened in the final act, not the whole thing. But this is just, it's just weird to like listen to myself critique it so hard and still think to myself that I had a great time at the end of the movie. I don't know. Like, I wonder what I would have thought if I was watching Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade when it had come out or like if I was in seeing that in theaters. Because I remember when Crystal Skull came out, I critiqued the hell out of it. And then mm-hmm. later I was like, you know what? This is actually still fun and I'm okay with it. I don't know, Pearl, do you have any thoughts on on that kind of like perspective, this character, and and kind of almost being more forgiving? Yeah. Um, well, I I agree. Um, well, I, like I had fun with this movie too. I think like I think you're right. Like you don't have to. It doesn't have to give you much to be to have a good time and to kind of like bask in the reality. And this was actually one of my thoughts when when I sat down. When I sat down and Harrison finally appeared on the screen, I was like, dang. I'm watching a movie in 2023, a new movie with Harrison Ford, who is, I mean, he's like an icon, you mm-hmm. know, right? Like this guy is a living legend in in Hollywood. I mean, he's Han Solo. Like it's incredible that we're still watching movies with with him. And I think, uh, like, if I to like meet an actor in person, like I think he's one of the, like the few actors that I would really be like starstruck by to mm-hmm. like see him because he almost feels larger than life. 
So the fact that we can sit down and watch a movie like this is cool. But I think the thing almost is, I wonder if we feel this way about like Indiana Jones is because right now, I don't feel like we have any kind of like new franchises that we're in the midst of that give us, you know, the same feeling that we get with someone like this. Like, is like, is there any equivalent of like Indiana Jones in the last 10 years of like a character for film that is like equivalent to that? And maybe if we had more like amazing trilogies that were in production with like these, these amazing stars that we really love with these movies that we thought were five stars, incredible experiences, you know, classics, then maybe when an Indiana Jones movie came along, it'd be like, well, we don't really need that because we have this other stuff, but maybe Mm -hmm. because we're so like desperate to have that feeling of like a Mm -hmm. classic again is why we are more accepting. I'm not following that. <laughs> I mean, it's he's right on. I, I I completely agree with you, Proto. And um, for me, it's also this nostalgia fog as well. I just wanted to see Harrison as Indy on the big screen with John Williams's score, and I got that. And I had an amazing time watching it. And I'd get a little weepy when Marion's theme plays oh. with her at the end. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? When he starts talking about what he would change with the dial, it's telling his son not to go to war and dying and it ruins his marriage. Like that, that even that performance to get that out, that emotion out of Harrison. I don't think we get Harrison that emotional in any of the Indian Jones films, that weepy uh, kind of uh, vulnerable Indiana Jones. I really appreciated that scene. So I think for me, all I needed was the Raiders March and Indy with a whip. And I think Harrison also looks like he's having a great time in this film. I think he plays Indy really well, better than he did in Crystal Skull. I think his character is treated well with the proper, you know, aging of him as a hero. I think in Crystal Skull, he did too much that didn't make sense for how old he was at the time. Um, But for this, I just, I just liked being along for the ride. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I appreciate what we got. I was remember reading about some of the earlier movies about how like Lucas and Spielberg, like this was their version of like the serials that they mm-hmm. grew up watching. Right. And I was thinking about what you mentioned earlier, Pro, but like what's our version of the Indiana Jones movies? Like, and I know everyone is thinking about a certain company that's making a <laughs> lot of movies right now. And I'm not even going to bring them up. But I don't, I don't know. I don't view them as that because I don't think they're that great. I feel like there's something else that should be made now that is like, you know, I grew up watching the Indiana Jones movies. These, this is, that's why I made this character. That's why I made these movies. Mm, yeah. What is that? What is that now? And I don't, I don't know if it's there yet. Like we, we did get some flashes of, of genius in those movies that I refuse to name, but, you know, they're mostly crap now. So I, I feel like we're still waiting for for something. I mean, those are still based on stuff. It's based on comics. That's already. true. So it's They're like not new. Where's where is our where's our Spielberg and Lucas these days creating new characters based on stuff that they grew up on? Mm-hmm. Like we don't have that, so we yeah. hold on to indie as hard as we can, as long as we can. Should we end the show? Right after that, Jeez, <laughs> Louise. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot. Outside of honorable mentions, um, did you I, like the story? 
That's what I would like to know. Yeah, from you guys. I love I love the story. The the dial, the Archimedes. opening, the crypt, and he's got the watch. Yeah, and then yeah, the yeah. talons on the outside of the coffin. Yeah, that stuff. I was like drooling when they were talking about that stuff. I was like, oh my god, it's happening! <laughs> and then like the fissures in time, and them going through, and when Teddy. Teddy like flying a plane. I was like, why does Teddy need to get in a plane? And then, <laughs> then they go through the time vision and was like, oh, they, he's probably going to have to yeah. get them out of there. They need a second plane. Um, but them landing at the time frame they did, I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. Like mm -hmm. I was in total awe. I thought it was so fun. It fits perfectly in this character, like all these stories. It just felt right. Um, him wanting to stay and then her punching him was probably yeah. her my favorite scene of hers. <laughs> uh, because I, I wasn't sure. I, I was like, is he going to stay? And then I was like, oh, what about Marion? Is he going to try to like make amends? So I love the story. And then the ending I thought was like movie magic. Mm. Like Marion showing up. Chills. And the ending, I mean, you can't, in my opinion, you can't come up with a better ending for this character and, and this movie. Oh, nice. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Before Proto gets into it, <laughs> yeah, I get in too there loved the the arcing story of the Dial of Destiny. I like the idea that Archimedes had created something that could, uh, I mean, even the whatever it was called, the Antithicus or whatever. Mm. That's yeah. that's a real thing in a museum in Athens. You can go see that has gears and et cetera. Like, I like that it's subtly based on realism, like some sort of actual prop. Like even even the items from, you know, the, the grail and the, and the cup of Christ and all that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's loosely based on things that could exist. I like that they did that with this film. Um, and I, when they went through time and ended up at, at, at where they did in Sicily, I was shocked that they even had the guts to do that. That, that was pretty ballsy. I honestly thought we were going to see dinosaurs I did. I wasn't sure what the mistake was going to be. I knew there was going to be a mistake going through, but I didn't know where they're ending up. But I, I liked that uh, it it was like subtly hinted at along the way that this is where they end up when she sees the propeller, the props on the on the phoenix, and when Indy catches Mads putting on the watch, like oh, that's the watch we saw in your t in the tomb. Like oh, this is oh, we're we are way off course continental drift, et cetera, et cetera. He would never have known about that. I love that when they present the dial to, to, um, Archim Archimedes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that he was like, Oh, it was, you were supposed to bring this back to me 2000 years or et cetera. Right. I, I just, I like that kind of stuff. Um, I'm glad they didn't bother showing us them trying to fly the plane back through the fissure. Cause I, I wouldn't, I, that would have been a waste of time. Mm -hmm. It would have made no sense. Cause I wouldn't, it, yeah. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this story a lot. I think it works better than Crystal Skull, even though I like the alien storyline. I think that just there's something about this that worked really well for me. Indiana Jones and the Multiverse of Badness. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. I like the story a lot too. Honestly, I felt kind of stupid that I didn't think that, like, think like, oh, maybe Indiana Jones will travel through time which is something he hasn't done, which now mm -hmm. seems so obvious to have mm -hmm. in an Indiana Jones movie. Um, so, yeah, and I love the dial too. Like the dial as a prop was mm -hmm. so cool. Um, anytime like there's gears and stuff moving on screen, you know, I'm <laughs> salivating. Um, 
So that, yeah, I thought the whole, the way they set it up, having to find his tomb, um, even like when they go to the shipwreck in the, in, in the ocean, even though I don't think that looked that great. Um, it was no I way went to of the water. Bathroom. I went to the bathroom during that. Did scene. you really? <laughs> yeah, I had to. I just wish, I wish they wouldn't have wasted our time with eels. No one cared. Oh just yeah. Go, so silly. Fu- go find the, the MacGuffin, come back up with it and move on. Took too much time. Yeah, but yeah, so I I really like the story too. I thought it was super lame that she punched him to bring him back. I kind of wish he stayed. I thought Mm. that would have been like a good way. Like have him on the seaside there, just like a little stone hut with his hat, like on the chair. (laughs) And like, that's how he goes out. I mean, he's like 85. He's dead in a couple of years anyway. (laughs) Why does he have to go back? He's 80. (laughs) Yeah, I thought the mutt, Dying in Vietnam stuff was crazy. Like I wasn't expecting that. And then when she appears with the groceries at the end, I was oh god! It was like it's ha- this is happening, and you know I'm starting to get teary eyed at that ending. What I'll never understand about the story, and I, honestly, I think it's the biggest misstep. Why? Ha- why was Short Round not in this film? Yes, like, I don't understand. Yes. bringing back Sala. Bringing back Marion, we have all of these. They even they even walk through bugs, and there's so many nods to Temple of Doom. Why was he not in this film? Like I, that's it. Just doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand the mindset of not bringing Short Round back. I mean, even when like let's just say you're James Mangold, maybe you're like, uh, Kihui Kwan's not doing anything. We're not bringing him back. And then everything, everywhere, all at once comes out. It's got to like, be shooting. Uh, then you're like fight. Oscar, st- the Oscar buzz. I was like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what if we reshoot? Do something. And, you know, can't he be carrying the second bag of groceries? Right. You know? Oh my God. I still would have had the chills. And like he appears and then maybe there, maybe it's like, assume that they're friends and that it's not like a big shock that he's there. And he's like, oh, short round. Thanks. Great to see you again. <laughs> you know, like it's normal that they're seeing each other. Yes. Um, and that's it. And then like, oh, and then he goes out with them to leave them alone, the two of them. It just, if it's like one of the biggest missed opportunities that I can think of. After Sala came on screen, I was like, oh, short rounds appearing. Like mm-hmm. he is going to have to show up in the next 20 minutes. There's no way they're not going to have him in this movie. Uh, and the yeah, the fact that we got a goddaughter <laughs> and not short round. Now I'm sick. I mean, listen, can you imagine? Let's let's live in those fantasy world. Oh my world. god. Imagine I it's can't. it's replaced. You replace Phoebe with with Key. And we that, have Indian short I mean, short we're round. talking greatest moment in the history of movies. <laughs> I mean, key as the so- Key and Indy and the Dial of Destiny and you just oh. try to Maybe Key goes down the wrong path. Maybe Key oh. is auctioning off these things. Can you yeah. Oh my god. And they're in Am the Am I lowering t- my star the, rating? <laughs> They're in the tuk-tuk together, you know, going through the streets. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. wetting myself right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let me see if I have any honorable mentions that we left out. Mutt dead. Love it. Uh, (laughs) Antonio, rest in peace. Antonio Banderas. Odd little casting choice. Um, But if Antonio was short round... I mean, yeah. Any, any character, yeah. like, just yeah. Let's not get rid of the the, I, the female lead. For can you a imagine male, the but, reveal that it was? You know, maybe Key's back is turned on the docks. He turns <laughs> around. Be a puddle. 
a puddle if he turned around. Uh, uh, there had to have been something. Maybe Key didn't want to film during COVID. Maybe it was a COVID thing. Maybe he didn't even like, ah, a little dangerous, I, that, no, a little I don't believe it. I, every, every bit of video I've seen of Key at these premieres, mm. he would have done anything to have been in a Somebody screwed film. up big time. And I'm going to yeah. have to go ahead and assume it was Kathleen Kennedy. Oh, Just say that, it right now. I'm not saying that. Alleged somebody made somebody made a bad call. Maybe it wasn't Kathleen. Maybe it was James I'm Mangold. Play, blame Bob Iger. Bob Iger. That's why I want to blame these Wearing his little things. sweaters around Disney. Get him out of here. I'm going to blame uh, Steven Spielberg. Okay. Oh. oh, okay. All right. Some good picks so we'll far. We'll see who's right. <laughs> the In the comments below. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so let's see, Danny, what's your, what's your honorable mentions star rating? Um, 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 you know, I don't have terribly too many honorable mentions. We talked about a lot star rating. I think I, I know I put a five star on letterboxd as that's how I felt coming out. I think if I'm being honest with myself, this is four stars. This is a four star, it's a safe space. very good time. This is the Indiana Jones um, not that I wanted, but I knew that we'd get, we needed better than, than crystal skull to go out with. And it's a good story. It's a fun time. It's a bit too long. I love Harrison. Um, grateful that we still had John Williams with us to get us through this last film. So mm -hmm. four stars for me. Okay. You know, it's crazy how much I, like I watched crystal skull again last week, a week before. I had so much fun rewatching Crystal Skull. It's fun. It's, it's, it's growing on me even more than I was expecting. And I liked it two years ago when we watched it for the show, but it, it's now like slotted in the franchise pretty well for me. Uh, yeah. Got it. <laughs> the quadrilogy. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. We talked about the nostalgia fog. The last act is uh, fantastic. Four stars for me for Dial of Destiny. Proto? My second point, um, <laughs> you know, I don't know where it started. Maybe it was the Force Awakens where it came upon us, mm. and it's it's it it feels like we can't escape it. But the self homaging that goes on with these returning to IP movies, returning to these franchises, it's so in your face, and it's so like all consuming inside of these movies now. Um. And I'm just curious as to like why that is. And I'm sure it's because, you know, in the theater, Easter eggs, they get laughs, you know, mentioning the past movies gets laughs, you know, redoing a line from a past movie gets a laugh and maybe it just makes people feel good. But it also feels while I was watching, I felt like they're almost just like checking off a list Mm. of things that they need to do that's, like, in an Indiana Jones movie. Um, between, like, the way the action, you know, set pieces uh, work out, um, the characters, even, what was his name? The, the sidekick? Phoebe's sidekick? Teddy. Teddy. Like, just even, like, having that, because it's, like, a clear reference to, like, Indian short round, short round yeah. right? Um and like it, it feels like that's the reason it's in the movie, mm. not because it makes for like good storytelling, but it's like because we need to have all of these different things that were in the previous movie to make sense. And I and I I don't it, it 
it, I don't think it used to bother me maybe as much. Like, cause I remember watching the force awakens and being like, who cares? And maybe it's because it's a different movie. And it may, I, like, I don't know why, but like watching this, it just, it, it felt like the whole creative process is trapped inside of just being self-referential that they can't even escape and do something new because in mm. this, and maybe you don't need to, right? Like you don't, like you're saying, like it's an Indiana Jones movie. People come here for the same thing. They don't want something new. Um, but I don't know, like if you watch Crusade and you feel like, oh, this is just like an homage or just like replicating the other ones. And I, I haven't rewatched, you know, um, this year. So, so may, maybe it does feel like that. Maybe it just feels like they're all kind of the same. But this, it, it, it just felt like, like what if someone were to take the Indiana Jones franchise and kind of escape out of that, almost give it like a different tone or, or do something so it feels fresh that it's not just referencing the, the other stuff. Um, so maybe I'm, maybe I'm alone here, but I just felt like a little overwhelmed by all of that. I mean, I don't think you're in the minority because I mean, the average rating is on this 3.1 on Letterboxd. So I feel like they're, I mean, also the box office apparently didn't do so hot or whatever, making a lot of, won't make its money back or whatever. So I don't think you're alone in that. Me personally though, I felt like it was outside of the tried and true formula, like not having Spielberg and Lucas I felt like it was apparent that they really didn't have much to do with this. It, it did feel like a fresher, different take on indie. Yes, there were some homages or whatever, but I didn't feel like it really like matched, not matched, but like, I don't feel like it was identical to the previous four, you know, like they have a vibe, the previous four. This one has a different vibe, I think. Hmm. Hmm. How about the direct homage to the Rocketeer? When he fixed the engine with a with gum. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> he like called out some kind of compound that's in gum and Tangiers. Yeah, <laughs> Tangiers gum only has that genius. Wow. What's, what's your, your third? third point? What's your third point, brother? <laughs> uh, well, I guess we kind of covered all my points. Um, was there anything that we missed? Let me look at the plot of this movie first. Get the, pl- get the plot out. You know, this is one of those, we're in theaters, it's hard to take notes. You know, we're not sitting on our couch yeah. as we watch this. I did have, speaking of your homages and Teddy, I did have my eye roll moment when they gave Teddy's backstory the exact same backstory as Short Rounds, where she met him because he was pickpocketing her. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's how he met Indy. So, hmm. there's that laziness. I didn't really understand Mads Mickelson's goons. Um, I guess you don't really need to, but they, it, the, the, at the beginning, it almost felt like they were going to play, the one guy was going to play like more of a role, but then like he didn't have any lines later on. Mm-hmm. I did think it was like super goofy, but I loved it. Like when they're in the airplane, they're all putting on Nazi uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was so he's, goofy, but also He's also great. the bad guy in Logan, or he's one of the henchmen. Oh, right. And he's the lead in Predator, the Predator, the one that, was a bomb came out a couple mm. years ago. Um, what else? Uh, I did love seeing, you know, indie punch Nazis again at the beginning. Like that was great to be back there. Um, but yeah, I had a good time. I, you know, I didn't love it. I think there's like a, a bunch of issues as I've gone over with it. Um, but I, I'll give it three stars. It's, yes. it's good. Wow. Okay. So, you know, it's good. Fog. 
Let the fog (laughs) wash over you. Would you say better than Crystal? Yeah, what's your rating on Crystal Skull? Do you remember? I gave that three stars too, but um, I I reread my review for that, and I think like I really liked the first half, but then like when the family drama stuff started, I kind of fell off. So I think I'd have to revisit to see which I like Mm. more. The four Ks. Remember we started that journey. I have friends putting Dial at the bottom. I saw list. a review. I saw like a half star review. I have friends review. putting Dial above some of the original trilogy. Wow. I'm just, the the spectrum of this reviews for this film are kind of all over the place. I will call out a former guest on this mm-hmm. very podcast, our Waterworld ep. Yeah. We did Waterworld Fantastic episode, Trader Brandon. Yeah. Uh, dressed up. Went to the premiere. The premiere didn't with, invite like, me. Didn't, didn't invite, invite me. Danny. No. I'll always stand up for my friends. Thank Not you. inviting Danny to that premiere was a mistake. Thank you. Bad decision. Yeah. There was 10 indies at this premiere. They're all dressed up. I think he gave it like a half star on Letterboxd. One and a half wow. stars. One and a half stars. Tore it up. Can you imagine dressing up as the lead character of the movie and having a one and a half star experience? <laughs> 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 like, it's gotta be just earth shattering yeah. to write that. You reveal. invited the wrong person, Lucasfilm. <laughs> How about this? That first line of his review, you know it's going to be bad. As always, just my personal opinions. (laughs) Brandon knew what he was doing. (laughs) Nightmare. Nightmare way to start a review. All right. We finished it. We finished the journey. We did it. There's never going to be another Indiana Jones movie. Mm. As long as we live. Ever. I don't. Ever. I don't know what that is. That's it. It's finished. Um... I hope everyone enjoyed this journey. It's been years in the making. Finally closed it out, the three of us together. I hope everyone had a great time at the movies. Mm. Or did you have Dolby. a great time at the movies? We're just Dolby. Dolby. I got that Dolby ticket. Mm-hmm. I'm a Dolby boy. <laughs> mm. Feel comfortable saying that. Once you go Dolby, you never go back. I've read that. Yeah. On Reddit. All right. We'll see everybody <laughs> next time. Thanks uh, for listening. Seventy Millimeter is a tape deck production featuring original artwork provided by Danny Haas. Spiritual Guidance and Viger, the robot who loves movies, provided by Pertalexis. Producer at large, Dale underscore A. Transcripts provided by Sophie Shin and music composed by Cinematric. Prints and other merch are available on 70mmpod.com. This episode was mixed, edited, and produced by me. Slim. Support our Patreon for access to our VHS Village Discord to talk movies with new friends, access to our exclusive episodes in the 70mm vault, discounts on merch, uncut episodes, and a physical membership card mailed to you. To check out other Tape Deck podcasts, find the link in the episode notes. And if you'd like to support our friends at Letterboxd and upgrade to pro or patron status, You can do so with a 20% off discount using the links on 70mmpod.com. Goodbye. This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast.